0: there's lots of metrics that are thrown out there about churn for example it's got a, you can't have churn of you know you have to have renewal rates of at least 85 90% well that doesn't mean anything in isolation
1: Welcome to Array Podcast the platform to discover hacks and skills you need at different stages of building your business I'm your host Shruti Gandhi founder and managing partner of Array Ventures Array Ventures invests in founders focused on solving problems leveraging big data, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Visit us on array.vc. Support for today's podcast is brought to you by DLA Piper, a global law firm strategically positioned to serve and support high growth technology companies, venture capital investors and founders wherever they do business. DLA Piper's lawyers help entrepreneurs lead successful businesses through experienced, cost-efficient legal counsel from formation, financing, M&A to IPO. To learn more, please visit www.dlapiper.com. Our guest today is Lauren Kelly, who is the founder of OPEX Engine. Lauren shares with us how companies use data and benchmarking metrics to track their success. Also, how SMB and enterprise SaaS companies have to spend and track metrics differently. A A lot of companies come to me and ask me, hey, I'm about to raise my Series A what are the metrics that VCs look for? Mm-hmm. Um, since you do benchmarking, I would love to understand what is it that it takes to get to a Series A, um, and what's typical, what's average, and, uh, yeah, and how it has changed over time.
0: Sure. Big topic. Um, <laughs> and I think to start off, it's you know, there's, there's numbers and metrics in the SaaS world that are thrown out there by VCs, by blogs, by, uh, thought leaders. We do a little bit of that ourselves as well. Um, and then there's what it really takes to build a world-class company and a company that's going to be return, um, on the investment that VCs or whoever, institutional capital or whatever, have made in the company. And, um, And the problem for companies is really to sort through all of that and figure out what's important for them and what their model is. And um, So I think the important thing is to understand your own model and figure out what the numbers and the right benchmarks are for your own model.
1: Yeah. So what does that mean? Um, I think we were talking with a nice slice of pizza (laughs) about, (laughs) about what it would take uh, for an S&B versus an enterprise and, uh, you know, for a series A raise and metrics that you're seeing should, you know, can you give a little bit of a flavor? Because I think there is a typical that people, um, you know, read about and it's like, oh, growth rate should be some X percent. And your, you know, ACV should be a certain percent and your churn should should be a certain percent. Um, so, you know, Let's break it down. What does it take? Let's start with S&B. Um, just talk about five key metrics in an S&B market and then, and, and then the things that, you know, companies wouldn't have uh, thought about before they got there. And I think you'd, you were giving me some examples, again, during lunch.
0: Yeah, so um, it's a great example of, of just – starting to separate between an SMB model and a big enterprise model. So if you think about it, if you're selling in the SMB space, typically you're selling with a lower average contract value, you know, could be under a thousand dollars a year, could be up to $10,000 a year. But if you're selling at that lower price point, Then, and part of the reason you're going after the SB is your assumption is that it's high volume, there's lots and lots of customers out there. Um, So, our focus, again, as a company, is on providing data for companies, and um, our customers, our members, are all finance organizations of SaaS companies. And so the finance organization is trying to figure out, you know, how do I budget? How do I plan? How do I structure the growth of the company? And when you're talking about the SMB space, you're typically talking about, um, you know, high volume, low touch sales. So you're not going to have as expensive a sales organization as you would, for example, in an enterprise model where you're going to have quite expensive sales people You're going to have a high touch, you know, so in the SaaS world, that means a lot of touch all around, you know, customer success, professional services, um, and of course, sales. So what we see in terms of the benchmarks, typically in the SMB space, um, you're spending less in sales than in marketing, for example. At the same time, it seems a little counterintuitive, although when you think about it, it actually makes sense. What we've seen from the benchmarks is that for SaaS companies, R&D, for example, tends to be higher for for companies selling with this low-touch model. Why is it then compared to, for example, enterprise? And that's typically because um, in the SMB space, you need an incredibly intuitive web interface that takes the prospect all the way through the buyer's journey, through the use of the product, and that's hard to develop that. I mean, when you're selling in the SMB space or producing a product for the SMB space, you need to almost think that you're producing a consumer product, except for that it's a consumer product that's gonna do whatever the great thing is that you're,
1: the problem that
0: you're solving. Usually
1: vertical SaaS.
0: Vertical or horizontal, because SMB could be horizontal, I mean, think, Carbonite or HubSpot companies mm. that you know, we've worked with and those are companies that are SMB They've gone after the SMB space, but they're horizontal. Everybody mm-hmm. needs marketing. Everybody needs uh, You know right. backup or um, online uh, virtual, you know all the stuff that sorry, I'm not explaining what Carbonite does very well, but um, you know or in a vertical um if you're going after a vertical with an SMB uh, model, then it needs to be a vertical where there's an awful, a big SMB in that vertical, um, like restaurants or something like that.
1: So let's talk numbers. Mm-hmm. If I'm a Series A uh, seeking company, uh, with, let's, because your lowest benchmark is a, a million ARR kind of a company, um, and I'm about to go raise, let's say like six to 10 to 10 million dollars, um, what, what, what should I, what should my dashboard look like today? So, and, and there are going back to
0: my first comment. Sometimes you have to distinguish between what do you need? You know, maybe I'm being a little bit cynical, but what do you need to run your company? Which is what OpEx engine really supports you with versus what do you need to raise funding and what the VCs are looking for. So there's lots of metrics that are thrown out there, like, um, a lot of the VC firms say they won't—they um, won't invest in a company unless they the time to recover CAC. CAC is cost of customer acquisition is less than 12 months. Um, I think as a company, you need to be very solid in your planning and be able to show is that appropriate for you or not. So, for example, what we see is that a less than 12-month time to recover CAC is appropriate for an SMB company that's selling a low price product because also you have to think about you know what are the metrics you have cost of customer acquisition has to everything is relational you know it doesn't really matter what your cost of customer acquisition is in in isolation your cost of customer acquisition could be a million dollars if you're lifetime value is 5 million with a customer and your gross margin is 85%. That's a, that's a good business. Um, but if you're selling a $2,000 subscription and your cost of customer acquisition is a million dollars, then that's, nobody's going to invest in you. So it's really how you put it together for VCs. And then of course VCs, have access to lots of data and lots of companies and, you know, they buy our data as well. And they're going to see what's the norm. And the norm also, the benchmark is going to change. The benchmark for a pre-revenue, I mean, obviously there is no benchmark for a pre-revenue, but for a million dollar, a million dollar a year ARR company is going to be different. And the expectation is that you're going to get better and better. Your cost to customer acquisition should get better as you get bigger mm-hmm. because you're going to become more efficient. Um,
1: let's come back to that point again in a second for enterprise. Um, let, let's let's talk a little bit more about some other metrics. So, what about churn, account revenue? Um, what other what are the you know is there a particular growth rate um, month over month that you you know that you think is appropriate for that stage?
0: Well, going back to your question about SMB versus enterprise, that applies perfectly to churn we're, we're as well. Start,
1: we're talking purely SMB right now. Uh, we'll come back to the enterprise. But and...
0: I, yeah, I think what's important is um, there's lots of metrics that are thrown out there about churn. For example, it's got a, you can't have churn of you know you have to have renewal rates of at least 85%, 90 percent. Well, that doesn't mean anything in isolation. SMB companies typically have high churn because they're dealing with small companies. They're dealing with um, a broad market and also companies in general tend to be much more inefficient when they have a low, inefficient in terms of keeping their customers. Um, They're not touching the customers as often. Um, So churn rates for the SMB space of 70%, you know, can be the norm mm. and there are lots of successful even public companies that have churn rates of 70 percent. Well I don't want to say because our data is confidential. The companies give us public data. Um, companies in terms of what they put out in their, mm-hmm. You can look it up in annual reports but usually when the churn rates are that high they don't talk about it that mm-hmm. much but it's it's more about um, it's two things. One is what's your churn rate and what's appropriate for the market you're going after and appropriate at your size. So if you're a hundred million dollar company and you have a 70% churn, 70% renewal rate, then that's not so great. If you're a $5 million company and you have a 70% churn rate, I mean, renewal rate, that's pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, because the assumption is as you get bigger, you're going to understand your target market better, your target customer, your customer story, and you're just going to get better. Um, I think that's something that VCs definitely, I mean, you could speak to this better than I can, Um, VCs are looking for not necessarily absolute numbers. What they're looking for is, do they understand the model? Is there an opportunity here? And are they getting better? So one of the words, that gets thrown around in relationship to metrics right now a lot. And it's good to throw that into your pitches. If you're making a pitch is velocity, you know, is your growth in MRR velocity rate increasing, you know, so what is velocity of Mm -hmm. MRR, right? It's if you took, if your MRR in each month of the year, so in January, let's say you were doing 5K MRR. Mm-hmm. And in February, you're doing 5.5K. Yep. And it increases through the year. So if you took the average of that for the year, and typically that's in like a 2% range or something. And then you come that was in 2015. And in 2016, your MRR velocity, even though your MRR has grown, if your velocity is increasing too... If you're now two and a half percent MRR velocity, that's a trend that a VC is going to want to enable, give you more capital. Is
1: velocity different than growth rate?
0: So a growth rate, great question. So velocity is really showing a change, you know, the the speed of change, whereas a growth rate is the difference between last year and this year. So it's one data point as compared to a velocity rate which typically is an average of a couple of growth rates or I see. a group of them yeah so for example you could look at the you know change in your sales productivity and sales productivity can be looked at really simply if you just looked at bookings per rep and that's part of the value of benchmarking is because if you're just looking at your own data and you're just, it's like looking at your navel. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't know what's good, great, or average. And there's two aspects to it. One is your own evaluation of it. But then there's the organizational impact of benchmarking, which is everybody, particularly in the tech world, is very optimistic. We all think that we're a lot better than we actually are. And I was just talking to a VC earlier this week and um, a partner, and she was saying, um, you know, they see companies all the time and they'll show them their numbers and they'll show them, um, say, in November, the growth rate went up. And they now are basing all their planning on mm-hmm. November's growth rate, even though there's no data right. to show the continuity of that. Right. And the thing about benchmarks is that just like in sports – it helps the whole team understand this is what other companies are doing, and we can do that. Mm-hmm. But we have to keep constantly improving ourselves to do right.
1: that. Uh, interesting. <laughs> let's let's go back to the original. Um, we we talked about the SMB versus enterprise break, breakdown. Um, can you talk a little bit about the characteristics of an enterprise business and what uh, key metrics they track and things that you think most enterprise companies tend to miss?
0: Sure. So, especially in the early stages, um, it's very important to understand you know, and get, for example, your sales organization right and understand what the benchmarks are and what's worked and what hasn't worked and that's another thing that we can help companies with. But generally, enterprise, you know, selling into the enterprise space means you're going to invest in a sales organization, and that's a big investment. The two biggest investments for any SaaS company are going to be sales and marketing and R and D. And getting the ROI on your sales and marketing investment and your R and D investment is absolutely the key to being successful. And in the enterprise space you know, sales is is complicated, figuring out your territory management, figuring out your model, your lead generation, your funnel management, all of that kind of thing. And so, again, we provide benchmarks for that. Mm-hmm. But typically companies are spending, you know, in the enterprise space, you're going to spend, the benchmark is you're going to spend more in sales than you're going to spend in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, R&D, you know, you see enterprise companies that are spending in the, in R&D, and you see, you know, so that's a big range between Mm -hmm. 30 and 60%. Some of that just depends on the particular business that you're in, and we can, you know, we sort our data by both stage that you're at, as well as by your average contract value, as well as by funding level, because another aspect that comes into it is, if you have a lot of money, if the you know, you believe you're going after a billion dollar market and you've convinced VCs to give you a hundred million, you know, in an early stage, then you're spending a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you are not in that situation, you just can't structure your operating plan in the same way. Right. So we also sort our data by, you know, what kind of capital you have or what what the typical benchmark is for a company that's taken 10 million, that's taken 20 million, that's taken hundred million. Um, cause as I said, that's going to look different. Um, and other aspects of the enterprise space is that when you're selling in the enterprise space, you're not just selling to one buyer, you're selling to, and you know, there's all sorts of statistics out there, 12 to 15 decision, you know, purchasers of your product and around those 12 to 15 there may be 30 different people and this is just even selling into one department Mm -hmm. in an enterprise 30 people who behind the scenes are impacting the um, buying decision and so as a company you need to manage that buying decision and that means you need to put resources around all those different aspects of it in terms of customer success, in terms of professional services, and if you are planning your operating plan, you have to know what those models are and structures.
1: Interesting. So, with that in mind, like, what do you see? Enterprises negative um, downside of going enterprise is more the the sales cycle, and usually they tend to be long. Um, but, you know, if they work out, it's, it's bigger contracts. So what is, it, what is a – I mean, does the sales cycle change if you have raised more money? Um, and depending on, you know, the contract sizes, I understand, like, millions of dollars versus 100,000. Let's stay with the 100,000 kind of contracts, right, like under a million dollar contracts. How long should they take to sell? average if you're an enterprise company so or, or what should be the um, velocity or the, if that's I'm not sure if that's the right word but the number of them you should be doing per year
0: yeah so sales cycle is a great topic and it's a great thing to benchmark and it's a you know another th- aspect of it is it's a process and for example Lots of companies really don't quantitatively track their sales cycle. They, you know, sort of, and, you know, I guarantee or Correctly,
1: right? Like they don't know when, when they should register that as some metric um, from, you know. And so that's actually another interesting question for you, yeah.
0: And that's something that, um, for example, we're working with the companies in our community to say, here's how you, how you, measure a sales cycle and also now that you've measured it and you you know because in today's world with CRM systems it's not that complicated to measure from the time that a let's say you kick it off with when it's determined to be a marketing qualified lead and granted you know companies CRM systems in the way that these things work aren't perfect but most companies track their marketing qualified leads or sales qualified leads whatever they they're nomenclature is and you have a time when the deal closes and granted there's lots of questions about that as well but and you can do that for every single deal that you've closed and the question then is yes you can come up with an average let's say you have in the enterprise space you had you know a hundred sales in the past year and you now take an average you take each one of those numbers of days and you divide it by a hundred and that's an average Now I think the important thing to do is look at what percentage of deals are within, you know, that are close to that average. So are 50% of your deals? Mm. Because everybody says, well, you know, the average sales cycle metric doesn't really mean anything because we have deals that close in two days and we have deals that close in two years. Mm. But what if with better management of the sales process you could bring 75 percent of your deals within a um you know close to the average Mm -hmm. and then if you change your sales cycle by say five days Mm -hmm. in a sense what you're doing is if you if you shorten the sales cycle and if you make it more predictable then you're saving resources. You still have the same sales resources out there. Mm -hmm. You could now maybe increase your revenue by 5% just by doing that. So there's tremendous value in tracking the numbers, benchmarking them, setting up, you know, saying, okay, we now know that the average of our sales cycle is, um, and for enterprise sales, I mean, typically people say the average is somewhere between six and nine months. Mm -hmm. and um,
1: That's still long.
0: It's a long time, yeah. and the longer it is, the more risk there is. Right. And you know what you want is predictability, right. and you want consistency. And there's lots of ways that you can do that.
1: Interesting. Um, so in enterprise, then, um, again now, sticking with the sales cycle and the sales team, is there a benchmark or a metric around how much is an SDR supposed to bring in um, based on and what what is you know based on the salary or percent, is you know breakdown salary percentage of what they get get paid to the you know how much X should they bring per year things like that
0: yeah so we have benchmarks for um, bookings per uh, rep uh, quota carrying rep and um, we are breaking that out now this past year for the first time which is kind of exciting and you know I would say the data is not perfect but we're getting there and it's it's definitely interesting Uh, you know the number of new customer revenue per rep versus uh, renewals and expansion and you know again we can always sort that by size of revenues average contract value you know so for your particular business model so it's definitely interesting to look at that but you know, it's sort of obvious to say, you want to see what the benchmark is, and if you're better than the benchmark, then that's that's a great thing. You know? But is it
1: like five x the the amount you pay them?
0: Is it, that, I mean, so I've heard in enterprise heard,
1: space. Yeah, like I've heard, like if you pay them 200k, they should bring in a million, um, you know, worth of business in a year. So is that is that like?
0: Yeah, in terms of total bookings per. Um, per, rep, per rep is usually somewhere depending on the model is usually somewhere between a million and two million mm-hmm. um, two, and the amount gets bigger for bigger companies mm-hmm. um, although oddly actually when I say that very small companies will have larger numbers but that's because you, know, you may just have the founder and like one or two other people who, so mm. that represents three people right. selling, and they're doing $5 million.
1: I see. And the, and
0: but then it, after you get past that point, then it sort of is reduced. Right. The other thing that we see which is interesting is, and why some of these, you know, throwing out absolute numbers, some of the doesn't always work is um, both our research and some other research that I've seen is that companies, when they get funded mm-hmm. and they get big chunks and you know, up through a, the last two years or so, we saw a trend frequently with companies. When they get to about 18, 20 million in revenue, they tend to do a big funding round, mm-hmm. which is really focused on sales and marketing. You know now we're gonna we know the model, we know our customers, mm-hmm. we're gonna blow it out. So they take a big chunk of money. And funny enough, their churn goes up, their sales productivity goes down because typically, you know, they're hiring really fast. I see. And they're not, you know, most most companies don't think about onboarding in advance, you know, because everybody gets excited about the funding. And so sales is told, you got to hire a hundred more people. And we're expecting that each one of those people is going to sort of add to revenue the way our current people do. And the problem is that, you know, Not only do they not get ramped as quickly, but there's a lot of chaos there. And so they ramp actually slower than it did in a smaller organization, unless you have really savvy sales management Mm -hmm. who sets all that up in advance. Mm -hmm.
1: So is there a set of uh, tweaks quickly, like uh, since since sales cycles are so long in enterprise, um, is there a... Another formula, so make make the expansion worthwhile, or or something else that really you know make it worthwhile for for a company to go really chase enterprise customers. Yeah, I mean,
0: definitely, enterprise is a very profitable space if you if mm-hmm. you get it right, and right. it's all about efficiency, I think. And it shows the sale, the length of the sales cycle, and the expense. Yeah basically tells you how risky it is. So how do you manage risk? You need benchmarks. You need to make sure everybody's work and you need to be constantly fine tuning. You need to be on top of all your numbers. You need to be looking at your funnel and managing that. You need to make sure that sales and marketing is totally coordinated. You need to, um,
1: that's an important point by the way. Sales and marketing need to be coordinated. That's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, SAS is,
1: Yeah, you you
0: can't um, you can't work well if you aren't coordinated. Right. Um, But you know, and you know you can talk about how companies ought to operate better, but (laughs) you don't. You, it's not. you know, part of why I got into this is because I wanted to take the emotion out of this decision making, and just by tracking the numbers and looking at it, if you're suddenly 50% below the benchmark, that's a good indication that something's not working. Is it that sales and marketing aren't working well together? Is the funnel not supporting um, the sales process? You know, all those kind of things. So the whole point is that benchmarks are sort of an early warning system.
1: Lauren, this is really insightful. Um, You know, we're almost running out of time. One last question then. So um, what's your favorite (laughs) S&B enterprise? I mean... There's pros and cons to both. and you know the argument for s and is you can you can keep doing it, but at the end of the day it gets it's very hard to get to a million r um, and the next ten and and hundred with the small um, contracts that you get. But then it's you know small sales cycle, you know, a l- lot of other fun things you can do with that. So what, what you know and, and then we just heard the enterprise pros and cons. So what what's what you, what what are your thoughts? So if you were to, you know, direct because a lot of companies say, hey, should I'm SMB right now? Should I go up market? Um, what's your advice there?
0: So I was lucky enough to be very successful in building some big enterprise businesses. And I did that all by being an unusual sort of sales and operations person by being very metrics driven. And um, funny enough, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. i <laughs> So um, I do think the SMB space is a really tough space to be in um, because exactly as you say, it's easy to get started it's easy to get sort of distracted by all the noise out there and all the competition on the consumer side. Mm. And I think that there's some people doing it who are fabulous and it's great. And I think the people who are good at that, and that requires sort of a magical consumer capability to solve problems Mm. in a really easy, you know, the, the, SMB space is a lot about um, user interfaces and design and and all those kind of things. And if you're good at that and really solving, even if we're talking about SMB, you know, business to business applications, mm-hmm. if you're really good at it, absolutely go for it. <laughs> and I think it can absolutely be done. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of great experience out there. A lot of great investors who can support that. Um, you know, and conversely, if you're not metrics driven in the enterprise space, then don't money at, at risk. Right. So that would be my comment.
1: Well, that was very helpful. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be demand for a repeat podcast. <laughs> and so thanks again. That's great. Thanks
0: so much, Trudy.